0: Welcome to the Cybersecurity and Cloud Podcast, where we hear the stories of information security professionals. This podcast explores different angles, out-of-the-box ideas, and the human element of cybersecurity. If you enjoyed today's episode, please consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts and supporting us at www.patreon.com forward slash CSCP so we can continue to bring on amazing guests. You can watch videos of the interviews at www.cybercloudpodcast.com.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Cybersecurity and Cloud Podcast. Uh, this is your host, Francesco, and today we have the pleasure to have Joe on the podcast, a fantastic all guy, and I've attended a few of Joe's class. and. They've been amazing. And today we talk a little bit about OSINT, but we drift off in any kind of range from data science to AI to machine learning. So please stay tuned and enjoy this fantastic episode. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Cybersecurity and Cloud podcast. It is your host, Francesco to Welcome you back. And we have the absolute pleasure to have Joe Gray, our OSINT president in place, and actually the one that opened the stream about OSINT on the podcast. So welcome, Joe. How are you doing? Thanks for having me. Uh, I'm, I'm doing great. <laughs> how about yourself? I am doing great, surviving despite the fact that UK has officially the highest debt rate in the whole world. It has so positive in UK in terms of COVID, but we want to stay positive, we want to stay positive. But Joe, do you want to tell us, uh, we were chatting before about <laughs> how much stuff you were doing, and you want to give the, the audience a little bit of background about yourself and then what you're doing right now?
2: Sure. So uh my coping mechanism for sheltering in place during this uh COVID crisis uh given uh those of you who know me know that I travel uh all over the world uh to speak and give training. Um so it's de- it's definitely been a major cultural adjustment for me actually spending a lot of time at home. Uh so my coping mechanism is I- I'm actually being hyper productive. I've spent a lot of time um doing a lot of different things. Um, so uh, I'm working through the technical editing process uh, for my first book uh, called Practical Social Engineering from No Starch. it's due out October 13th. Um, I have a pre-order link I'll share with you. Uh, I'm contributing two chapters for uh, another book. And then in addition to that, I'm writing some code, uh, some of which dealing with uh, disinformation and deception uh with it, it's written in python with some elements of um go ahead and take a drink if you're playing uh, buzzword bingo uh there's gonna be some uh natural language processing some machine learning and some ai elements to it um oh yeah so <laughs> okay. um but i'm not going to say that it's something that it's not it's not uh something that I'm not trying to sell this particular solution uh it's more of something I'm doing for goodwill um, and it's not meant to be perfect. It's just meant to be good enough. Uh, you so mentioned
1: I, machine learning before AI, so you, you justify it.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, realistically, um, the type of stuff I'm running with uh, under the hood with it uh, has some AI uh, tendencies to it but I'm never going to say that this is truly intelligent. So um, there's no level. rate, AI. I'll, I'll call it, I'll call it <laughs> let's, let's just call it automate uh, artificial common sense.
1: Okay. I like that. I like that. Let's that, yeah. make it into a thing. Somebody's going to steal it. <laughs> <So. laughs> Trademark right it here, probably. right now. Yeah. It's my own <laughs> intellectual property. Um. It's
2: just like I've been joking about buying a uh, puppy. I'm not going to. I've been talking about buying a puppy, and I said I wanted to get uh, the breed was a Great Dane, but I only wanted to get the runt of the litter so I could tell people I had an okay Dane. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. That, that, it's the kind of stuff I coming up with. Amazing um, breed. <laughs> Is yeah. that COVID-related? <laughs> it, <laughs> it's overproduced. <Being> overproductive. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I mean, it's just one of those things that popped into my mind. Uh, that being said, uh, in addition to that, I'm um, overhauling all of my courses that I run as the Ascension. Um So all the OSINT-related courses are moving from a four-hour format to a six-hour format. Uh, I'll be providing more uh, of a defined uh, handout. There will be more defined lab uh, experiments uh, associated with it. Um, And then, of course, as opposed to four hours, it'll be six. Uh, I'm also authoring two new courses uh, that I'll be offering live. And I'm uh, in the process of uh, doing a recorded training for some on-demand stuff. Uh, The home for that is to be determined. I'm in the process of uh, having conversations with the varying platforms to find out where uh, everyone can win from the platform uh most importantly the community and then myself. Um so I've got that going on as well. And then uh beyond that, um Jeez. Uh, beyond a beyond that. that. Beyond that. <laughs> oh, there totally is. Uh I mean I go a hundred percent, hundred and ten percent of the time twice on Sundays. Uh and that being said, um I've decided that I'm gonna pursue some more formal education in addition to the bachelors and masters I already have. So I'm uh spending a lot of time on EDX. Uh, Taking, I love uh, it. I I love it as well. Uh, I'm in the process of taking the prerequisite courses uh, for me to enter a second master's uh, and ultimately a third master's and a doctorate program over the next ten years. uh, Just because I'm trying to do a somewhat different discipline, Um, understanding a a discipline. (laughs) Well, not necessarily creating one, but Not um, (laughs) not yet. Um, you know, I, I'm I'm well on my way of creating the Jocent discipline, uh,
1: <laughs> totally joking there. Please uh, tell, tell me everything about the Jocent, it's going to be, a, it sounds like a religion rule <laughs> Oh, well. Or a well, new group.
2: <laughs> Jocent is just kind of like my own flavor of OSINT and like my boundaries of how I do it, more or less. It's nothing uh, uh, beyond anything uh, along those lines. Uh, I just like the term Joe sent. I thought of it uh, last year at Hackfest in cool Canada. It, it is, uh, honestly. Um, so I want about, a t shirt. <laughs> uh, uh, hey, you know, uh, I thought about it this way, so, right?
0: Had made I. the t
2: a t shirt. <laughs> if, um, if I had have known I was into OSINT when I created my Twitter account, my Twitter handle would have been Joe sent. Um, if I'd have thought about the name Joe sent when I was starting up my training arm, the Ocentian would be called Joe Sent. Instead, I just went ahead and bought all the domains and uh, secured all of the uh, the handles Crazy on bug. varying social media platforms for Joe Sent. But I mean, C three P Joe is uh, pretty appropriate as well because that that's cool. It's a pun on C three PO actually, because uh, in the Star Wars universe, uh, C three PO can communicate in six million different ways, and um, to be a successful social engineer, you kind of have to do that as well. So it it's still highly appropriate. It just doesn't capture the osent piece.
1: No, but I, I I like the I like the idea behind the history behind the logo and the history behind the name. It it gives steps to the name. Exactly. Like yeah.
2: Um, but yeah, so beyond that I'm spending a lot of time on ADX meeting
1: prerequisites. Um because How the, do you actually find the prerequisites for the virus training? Because I just pick, cherry-picked the stuff, so I'm, I'm doing CS50, CX, CX, uh, CX the, the the coding stuff. Okay, so I'm doing CX50 and CX50AI
2: right now as well. Um, I'm just doing those for grins um, because they don't really count for anything. Um, but if you look at Harvard Extension's website, uh, mm-hmm. they have a Master's in Liberal Arts and Data Science. and
1: um, Everything is they, data science in the U.S. right now. <laughs> right. It's like something and data science.
2: Right. And that's the data science is the adjacent discipline that I'm trying to pick up to marry with my knowledge and experience of InfoSec. So that being said, um, to get into Harvard's program, you have to have a bachelor's with a 3.0 GPA or higher. Okay, that's easy. And you have to have taken calculus because my degrees are actually in IT. I never had to take calculus. Um, I've taken pre-calculus twice in the past and passed it both times, but it's been about 10 years since I've taken it. So I'm currently taking a pre-calculus class uh, on EDX to knock the rust off. Uh, I should be done with that in about a week. Uh, I've been in it for about a month now. Uh, And then I'm taking calculus locally at a community college in the fall, uh, but also with Harvard's uh, data science program through the extension school. Uh, if you do uh, MITx's uh, data science course, um, you get out of taking three of Harvard's courses. So that great. that's I'm starting that. Send, in, send all to...
1: the, you, you need a graph for that, for all of that. If you do this, well, you, can... you know, it's uh, <laughs>
2: funny you should say such a thing because I don't have Microsoft Project on my uh, computer, but uh, as soon as Excel loads here, um, I uh, uh I I could share the screen because I've got everything. I've basically got my own uh Gantt chart showing um, every course that I plan on taking between fall of 2020 and spring of 2030. <laughs> um, no,
1: share it. I'm gonna attach it to the podcast, to the podcast note, and. No. Uh, t-
2: <laughs> we're, we're we're good. But uh, yeah, so basically I'm trying to meet the prerequisites for that right now. Uh, once I finish that, because the program, it's not cheap. Don't get me wrong. It's Harvard. It's not cheap, but it is relatively speaking very inexpensive. Um, I think the total cost of this online master's is about the cost of a semester or two at the undergrad level in person yes. at Harvard. So it's not really that expensive uh, in that regard. Um, but it's more about like the math behind data science. Uh, so I'm also looking at doing a master's in computer science at Georgia tech online. Uh, that's more focused into like the machine learning aspect of it. Mm. Uh, and then everything from that will translate, uh, directly into, um, a doctorate program. But the thing with that is I'll actually have to move to Atlanta and do that in person. But I really would only have to take, um, I think about six, uh, I think I'm counting 10 classes here, so it wouldn't really be that long. Um, but you know, dissertation that can take a while as well. Yeah. So, um, but you know, ultimately it's one of those things I want to learn a new discipline and because I already have a master's, I mean, I could just immediately go for a doctorate in data science somewhere, but the thing about that is I would be so far behind the curve because I'm missing all the bachelor's level, higher level math, calc one through three, calculus-based stats, linear algebra, differential equations. Is a the- uh, Yeah, and I've not taken anything at the master's level, so I don't want to set myself up for failure by going to something at the at the doctorate level in in something to that effect. But uh, at the end of the day, my my ultimate goal uh, at the end is find a way. Uh, To marry the data science disciplines with concepts of InfoSec, uh, some of which could be from OSINT. There's a lot of opportunities for uh, using machine learning and automation for some OSINT tasks. Um, It may be possible in some social engineering uh, type stuff. I'm not sure. I would have to test that.
1: It's fundamental data collection, so the more information you have and the more correlation you can make from one point or a data set to another data set. Of course, yeah. The game. Then ultimately, we do that manually in no all sense, right?
2: Right. And I actually just, I the good idea, Ferry just visited me. I'm not going to repeat what just came to my mind, but I just thought of an application of using uh, data science concepts for social engineering in a successful way. Uh, but of course, you can also use it in uh, forensics and incident response, as well as uh, in the attack patterns themselves, so there's there's a lot of opportunity for it. Uh, the very the the thing that I find to be very important with this is just finding uh, the opportunity uh, to do it in a way that accurately describes what it is without getting too wrapped up in the vendor hype associated with it. Because I think that's what's that's what soured terms like cybersecurity, machine learning, automation, AI. Um, within the InfoSec industry, a lot of people have soured on it because vendors have just, they've abused just driven, it. they've abused it. They've driven it into the ground. It's one of those things like from the Princess Bride, you keep saying that word, but I don't think you know what it means. <laughs> and it is its just, you know, just to that point to where people have soured on the term. And I, I like the disciplines, but at the same time, I don't want
1: to jump on that vendor hype train either. Mm. No, I, th- I think I think it's wise to abstract the concept. <clears throat> that's why I was joking. You said you mentioned machine learning instead of mentioning AI. Machine learning is is at least not that abused at the moment, but I'm sure you will be. But it's it's a science be, be, between doing correlation of data set, and, and I yeah. think that's what is the next step of 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 aggregating data. So even we're doing some work on vulnerability management and how to aggregate different data sets from different tools. Because oh, absolutely. That's the future. It's like a correlation. Right now, we have so much information. We just can't cope with it anymore.
2: So I think that's the Absolutely. future of any field. I mean, and right now, we're seeing a lot of, um, we're seeing the words AI and machine learning get tossed around a lot in the malware analysis space and in like the SIM and SOC space. So in, in those... Reg- that's kind of natural,
1: but yeah, it, it's like, how do it's you do know, correlation? How do you yeah. profiling and in correlation in, in those kind of things? Because every vendor is unique, every people is unique. So like, how do you detect the false positive or false negative? Those are the big win of machine learning. And how do you profile? And that's the hard stuff because you will need to profile a number of clients and a number of attack patterns and create that. exactly,
2: exactly. And you know, from from a perspective of OSINT, uh, during the day job, um, my coworkers and I, we've we've established a specific term that we call fidelity. And that speaks to the quality of the data, the fact that the data has an intelligence context to it, and that we can corroborate it across uh, one or more sources. So I, I think leveraging something like data science or machine learning to Improve the fidelity of data provided could certainly be uh, of value. Uh, and anytime, I, I think the problem a lot of things within our industry have with using those buzzwords, they try to use it to completely augment the human element as opposed to use it as a way to augment some effort but not replace the human analysis effort.
1: Hey, Francesco here. A very quick message from our sponsor and then we return back.
0: This podcast is brought to you by the generosity of NSC42 Limited, your cybersecurity partner. Cybersecurity is complex and different for every organization. And you need the best tailored service to make sure your customer's data is safe and sound so you can focus on what's important, focusing on your clients, and bringing the best and safest experience. NSC42 Limited can help you during your cloud transformation, cybersecurity assessment for your compliance checklist on premise and on the cloud. Want to know more? Visit www.nsc42.co.uk to get your free quote.
1: Because we should get away from automation is killing the human automation is killing the boring stuff of the human being yeah. and then creating that intelligence that you can't create by automation because i think right. we have sort of, sort of a trade-off right now when we say well what can you automate and where are you going to spend more time actually thinking about how to automate and actually do it yourself exactly exactly
2: because you know I'm a huge fan of long short-term memory models and recurrent neural networks, uh, as well as cluster analysis and linear regression. The thing is, they they can help you get within a certain accuracy and a certain ballpark of it. But at the same time, you need a human that has enough comprehension of those concepts and topics to be able to take the outputs, to interpret it, perform their own initial analysis, assign a fidelity score to it, and then determine... Is this of good? Is this good quality data? Is this uh, something uh, that uh, makes sense? Does this analytic process work? Or you know, supervised versus unsupervised learning? Do do we need to adjust our inputs, our models, or whatever? Um, or what? In all honesty, was the hypothesis entirely wrong with this?
1: Yeah, or the initial data set, or the algorithm that we trained on, right? Also, but it's it's fundamentally again back to the topic of uh, are we are we trying to automate everything, or how do we codify experience effectively?
2: Right, and I mean that's that's the problem. Everybody wants to automate everything because you know I don't auto- think we should. I don't. I don't either. I mean, to 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 uh, Jeff Goldblum's point in Jurassic Park, you know, too many people in this industry are too worried about whether they can uh, they're not stopping to think whether they should, um, (laughs) oh yeah, absolutely. (laughs) And I mean, the reality of it is, yeah, it can cut costs and you're only having to pay for processing power and you only need like three developers as opposed to a workforce of say 50, whatever. Uh, and, and it can cut the cost, but you're, you're also, uh, lacking in the human analysis and your ability to draw, uh, Conclusions from things, and and that becomes problematic, and that and that's where I draw the line. Um, you know, uh, as, as I see it right now, I don't foresee that I'll ever say that you can completely replace a human element with it. Uh, but I, I think that we can uh, wisen up our processes to make
1: uh, more efficient human analysis with it. Augmenting uh, the human element, like exactly instead there was of sex, they was sex quotes. <laughs> and <laughs> in,
2: in, instead of uh instead of augmenting uh the human analysis I, I like to think of it as amplifying the human analysis
1: i like that i like that I was just uh, the, uh it's one of my favorite game sex. so i tried to, to squeeze it in every every year <laughs> right But actually, actually the conversation is great, but it it completely stood off from what I was expecting. Uh, So it's it's amazing how... You never know what you're going to get out of me. (laughs) I actually was. I I remember I was in one of your first training, one of your first digital training. Actually, maybe the the, the very first one.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I I was thinking to myself, he's taken some of my training, but
1: I don't recall which course... The, I... the very first one, the very introductory one, because I was curious about. Uh, I wasn't into all that, that uh, at that time. I wasn't. I didn't even know what that, that word is. So I said, "You know what? It's it's cool. So I, I want to learn more about it, and that, that's that's. I learned from community, so I started learning. Plus, a lot of my community. I mean, Stu and other people are doing a mm-hmm. lot of uh, social engineering and, and all things.
2: Right. Uh, You're local to the Mini Hats Club. They are yeah. absolute beasts when it comes to the missing persons CTF. I love the work that they're doing. Absolutely. Um, I'm on the Password Inspection Agency. Um, so uh, Mini Hats Club, they've won uh, Trace Labs uh, Missing Person CTF Global Number 3 and Global Number 4. Uh, number three, we got 18th place out of about 160 teams. Global number four, we got fifth place out of 205 teams, I think. So uh, there's a lot of uh, healthy trash talk between the Mini Hats Club and the Password Inspection <laughs> Agency. Not to say that I'm the trash talker, um, but
1: yeah, i say, talker. the the, community, the The community wasn't uh, stressed enough. The Twitter community wasn't stressed enough of recent because of... I don't know if you follow the storm about uh, the mouse. Oh uh, that which one? The mouse. The mouse game. No. that's that let, good. Let's name it at that there. <laughs> it's another it's another wave of of drama of Twitter and I think, uh I think I think healthy healthy trash talk between teams competing with each other is great.
2: Yeah, because I mean, at the end of the day, um as far as I know, um we we respect each other. I know I respect the mini hats club. I have no reason to think that they don't respect uh, the password inspection agency. So, you know, that being said, um, there, there's definitely some respect associated with it. So, um, you know, it's not... Um,
1: it's not an offensive or, yeah, or aggressive mean, it, talk. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, it's the kind of banter that, uh, as we say in England, is the kind of banter that tease each other out, but uh, it, it doesn't turn ugly. Yeah, it's kind of I like sibling that, rivalry. You know,
2: I yeah. will talk trash to the Mini Hats Club uh and their CTF team all day, but if I catch some outsider saying something, then they're gonna deal with Mini Hats Club and password inspection agency.
1: <laughs> and you don't want you don't because everybody has information now, so you don't wanna you don't wanna piss off people on, on a same team or a social engineering team no. because either 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 you, your 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 family or your friend are gonna get pulled. <laughs> it's on the internet, so, so therefore it must be true. Exactly. <laughs> so not for everybody's safety, don't mess up with these people. <laughs> or take Actually, my
2: OPSEC course before you do it. <laughs> it,
1: it. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I, I, think, I think we were, uh, of recent, Alyssa was was, uh, was joking that OPSEC people are stressing her because she posted a picture of her and the house. It's like, yeah, I'm traceable. I know that I posted that pictures. So I know that I'm right. traceable. Yeah. So, I mean, it's I just that, everybody's traceable. It's just a matter of
2: <clears throat> how much effort it takes to find the person. Um, from an OSINT perspective, you know, being able to evade an OSINT investigator is kind of like outrun, uh, surviving a grizzly bear attack. Uh, and basically what that means is you just have to outrun the other person. You have to outrun the the slowest person. As long I'll as you're the second slowest person, you're okay. <laughs> he has one another target. <laughs> yep. You don't oh, want yeah. you don't want to surveil me. You want to surveil this person. He's more interesting. He has more juicy stuff. <laughs> I saw him post the password to his bank account on Facebook. You want to look at him. Totally. All oh, these
1: child-like his password. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. What was that thing about <laughs> Anyway, what you had a glitch with your with your
2: ATM transaction. you withdrew <laughs> you started and had a balance of like Three hundred and twenty and you withdrew two hundred and now you've got like one point eight billion. yeah, they're a way better target
1: <laughs> but actually on that topic tell me tell me if you can disclose some some interesting stories that of, of your words and wars and stories that you can disclose uh,
2: so um, social engineering front uh, according to the two thousand and seventeen semantic ISTR, the internet security threat report. The global successful fishing rate was about 13%. So when I was working as a consultant, doing a lot of social engineering, I used that as my benchmark. If I did well, if I did over 13%, okay, I was doing good. If I did less, okay, this was a really good company to uh, work against. (laughs) So um, I kick off the engagement and I'm uh, doing a fishing campaign. I've surveilled this company very heavily. Uh, Their CEO is retiring in a week. Their COO is taking over. Mm -hmm. I buy the .us to their .com in terms of domains. Uh, I have uh, a trash domain. I think I'm just going to make up one, but it was something like CGI-ben.coffee or something like that. It was some useless, you know, very domain. skeptical, high level, like top level domain. So uh, I spend some hours doing some OSINT. I find out this about uh, that part of the organization. So I put together my fish. Uh, I get the COOs out of office response. So I steal his email signature. Um, I put that in the email. I tie it all up to G Suite because um, nobody's going to block mail from uh, mail gmail Right, yeah.
1: So. Or Office 365 for... Exactly. Weekly.
2: So I uh, got a G Suite account for the month. Uh, so then I um, put the email together. I take some direct quotes from press releases and put in there. Um, I mean,
1: that That's trick amazing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's out there.
2: It's sleazy, but it works. Um, and when you're doing social engineering, sleazy is good. So um, I put together the email. I... Uh, send it in batches of three to five. I didn't want to send it all at once because I was targeting about 150 people. Um, so everything's going uh per the norm. I'm redirecting them to my .coffee domain for an employee satisfaction survey. Uh, I think, I, I know that coffee was not the top level domain, but it was like insert company name comcgi .coffee or whatever was my phishing <laughs> landing page uh and i had a perfect
1: clone of survey monkey and right. nobody suspected suspected that it was war <laughs> it was absolutely off
2: right well if they had hovered they would have saw it but they didn't hover um i had a perfect clone of survey monkey uh i used let's encrypt so it had the green uh padlock so most all awareness training um i had checked the failed. box yeah most everything the only thing they could have done to prevent it was look at who actually sent it because it was from company.us, not company.com. And if they would have hovered, that was their only two opportunities for
1: the email itself. But even company.us it's, it's highly probable because a lot of companies say so yeah, have 2000 domain and all of a sudden somebody switched domain, so.
2: Yeah, exactly. So uh, I sent the email, they went to the landing page. Uh, I'm seeing a bunch of people come to the landing page, but I'm not seeing a lot of data input. And I'm still sending emails out uh, I, I'm using somewhat pseudo random intervals to send them out about 10 to 15 minutes apart, uh, in batches of 10 to 20. Uh, so a little bit in, all of a sudden I'm blocked. And at that rate, I, I have a script. So with this, uh, with this fake survey monkey thing that I ran, uh, I had modified the SurveyMonkey code because SurveyMonkey uses post to pass the parameters. Mhm. I changed it to get so that I could capture everything in my Apache log and I didn't have to run a back end database. Okay. Not Fair very well. not very secure, but this is a phishing engagement. So you just the data for a moment. Right, exactly. Uh and then you know, I made sure that my Apache log and my server were uh, pretty well secured so people couldn't just come in and ransack it. So the first one was a login page. Then after that, it asked for some password reset questions. And then the final page was, uh, it it was an error. And it said, this survey has already been, uh, this survey has expired. But I miscoded it initially and it went on an infinite loop. And at that time, Firefox and Chrome didn't have any protection against that. So it would just infinitely loop. I was like, should I cut this out? Hmm, no, I'm going to leave it. Again. You actually did <laughs> Well, it it, w- it wasn't for a DDoS type thing, but uh, it was enough to where a user should see it and be alarmed. Yeah. So I decided to leave it in as an opportunity for redemption. So <laughs> for when I find out, a- exactly. So when I get blocked, I'm at a 6% success rate. and I'm like, man. And they're winning <laughs> dur- during the kickoff call. My vice president, this was right after I won the uh black badge at uh Derby Con. So the, the black, black badge,
1: ah, oh, it's not showing because of
2: my background.
1: There it is. No, it shows amazing. So it was like, well, right was, was still a thing,
2: right? So he was like oh, he just won a competition and took down a Fortune 500 company, blah, blah, blah. He, uh, If you let him run wild, he will steamroll you, whatever. And I was like, man, I didn't live up to expectations. Man, this is <laughs> bad. So then I went about my business doing my other work. And then uh, shortly thereafter, I uh, checked in on the server the next day just to make sure. Well, my success rate had jumped up to like 43%. I was like, what happened? Exactly. So what had happened, uh, I talked to my security point of contact um, and uh, I was like, what happened? He's like, someone reported you. I was like, "Okay, good. He's like, no, it's not good. I was like, how so? Uh, Why not? They reported me to the network administrators instead of the security team. The network administrator forwarded the email without cutting out my link or anything to the company and said, don't click this link.
1: <laughs> and of course, logically, happened? Well, everybody bloody clicked the link. Or at least
2: to 43% of the people did. But it gets worse. So um, as soon as we said, okay, this is over, we're going to call it at 43%, uh, I immediately shut down the server. Like, I didn't just kill Apache. I actually shut down the VPS instance completely so no one else could go to it. Um and then uh from there, uh I was instructed to wait until the last day of the month. So the day before I was gonna get billed for another month, before I killed the VPS instance, before I killed the uh email address, the whole nine yards. Yeah. So uh I log into the email account. Um How many bones pay? Oh no, no, worse. I, it had been added to an internal distribution list uh, with, emails, <laughs> with emails now. Uh, Please inten- have data for free. Well, yeah. Well, the thing is, the emails were intended for the current CEO because the old CEO oh, had Jesus. retired at this point. So I had been added to all these internal sensitive mailing lists, and I got it. And I was like, eh, uh What should I do with this? So <laughs> I, it was one of those moments where I was like, security point of contact we've got a problem and he's <laughs> oh, like god i love that <laughs> and he's like okay download all of them and, uh and zip them up and send them to me i was like okay the so I, I do that i'm on the phone with him when he opens it i'm not going to repeat what he said but uh from a rhyming perspective if it walks like a duck and sounds like a duck he probably didn't say duck
1: um he's like <laughs> How oh, many no. times so in a row? How many times it, in a it row? It was one
2: time, but it was kind of like uh, Ralphie in A Christmas Story where it just goes... <laughs> <laughs> the realization. And he's like, okay, the point's proven. We need to buy training now. So <laughs> uh, that's probably like the um, m- the pinnacle of my war stories. Uh, another good one I have is last year during Hackfest in Quebec City, I competed in their social engineering capture the flag. But the caveat is it's all against French Canadian
1: businesses. So everything in French. I think you remember one of the pictures in there. I don't speak French very well. <laughs>
2: I, I know enough French to get out of uh, Charles de Gaulle Airport and to get around in Geneva. Uh, that's about and it. That's about it. <laughs> so... I actually got second place in the competition despite not speaking <laughs> oh, French. On, no. um, <laughs>
1: That's rubbing it in. <laughs> and,
2: well, because the most important phrase I used was, uh, "polyvo Anglais. <laughs> um, and uh, every time I got someone who could speak Anglais, uh, they were like, We're in French Canada. Why don't you have a French speaking person calling me? Well, the lady who was going to call you uh, had to go on emergency uh, maternity leave, and we have a deadline, and I have to meet this. She uh, went into labor a month and a half early, so I'm the only person available for this. I'm sorry, uh, I don't speak oh, very French. Yeah, and they still just poof
1: <laughs> gave me the data. Um, <laughs> so, so yeah. you managed manage to win. <clears throat> you managed to win a CTF. In French, but not speaking in French. <laughs> I, mean, I didn't win; I got second place. The person, well, who, the person who well, did win, did speak French. Yeah, come on, it's rubbing it in. It's like running with just one leg a marathon. <laughs> hey, I mean, <laughs> amazing. It worked. So, I mean, you get you get your way around, and I think that's that's the beauty of OSINT. You just need to invent and need to. How actually? How actually did you start on that path? Uh, how did I get into OSINT? Yeah.
2: Um, so I'm not gonna share the embarrassing side of it. Um we well, wanna know the juicy part. <laughs> no. Uh if you if you want to hear that, I, I do share that story. That's fine. I, I, I share that story in my training these days. So if you want to hear it, you'll have to take the training. Uh um, I'll take the next training. <laughs> it's it's a little bit embarrassing. Um, but to kind of be vague about it, really. Before I was even in InfoSec, uh, I was a king of using the phone book, like the actual paper phone book uh, for finding phone numbers and whatever. Um, And then I did my time in the Navy. When I was in the Navy, I didn't deal anything with InfoSec or technology. I was an electronics technician that did navigation. So as I was getting out, that's when I got my certifications and started getting into industry. Well, then I watched the movie Catch Me If You Can. Uh, the story of Frank Mm Abingale as depicted by Leonardo DiCaprio. And I was like, "Hmm, this is very interesting. Well, then I found out that he's a consultant and he wrote some books. So I bought some books, namely Stealing Your Life. And I started reading it. He, He didn't call it OSINT in the book as best as I can recall, but he explained how he could do several things and introduced me to some sites like Zaba Search and a few others. And I was like, okay, that's cool. And then I kind of stepped away and continued along the path of doing my normal InfoSec stuff. Fast forward to about 2015, 2016, maybe even 2017, uh, when I'm running my podcast, uh, I had been reading Black Hat Python written by Justin Seitz. I asked him to come on the podcast. He came onto the podcast. He starts, we talk a little bit about Python, but then he starts talking about automating oscent.com, his website. Mm-hmm. Or maybe dot org. Um, but either way, I'm gonna verify that just because I wanna cite it correctly.
1: Oh, we are gonna we're gonna insert the link of all, all the reference. <laughs> I'm just a perfectionist with this, so I'm just making sure.
2: Uh it is com, So I was correct with that. So um he comes on and he starts talking about some of the work he's done with Python, uh doing things with Imaga. Uh, and uh, using uh, trained images of AK-47s to identify terrorist accounts on social media, specifically Twitter. I was like, man, that's really cool. And then as he was explaining it, I was like, man, I've been doing this for years. I just didn't know what it was called. I just thought it was being a, like a creep. It's like no, <laughs> there's actually a profession behind it. So then, professional I, creep.
1: <laughs> exactly.
2: So I get to researching it some more. I do a lot more uh, investigating on it. I read up on it. I, I start uh, reading the Gospels of uh, Saint Michael Basil. Uh, I start reading a lot of the work from uh, Chris Hadnagy. Some of the stuff from Kevin Mitnick. And then I start seeing the the, the uh, adjacent uh, symbiotic relationship that OSIN has with social engineering. And I was like. I can naturally just talk my way out of a, pretty much anything. I mean, I could have probably uh I could probably sell uh snowballs uh
1: at the North. north pole.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it it is, it is what it is. I could I could probably sell space heaters uh in
1: Singapore, which so is at one degree north. That's actually a, an interesting thing because is salespeople going to be good at, sale, uh, at OSINT or social engineering? Sales and marketing people do amazingly well at it. In fact, uh,
2: Chris Kirsch, one of the winners of the DEF CON SCCTF, he actually works in marketing. So, salespeople. psychology. Right, exactly. And so, for salespeople, they can benefit from OSINT, uh, in by learning the OSINT techniques. Uh, to identify better, um, leads, uh, better quality leads and better companies to attempt to do business with, uh, whereas, uh, they can benefit from social engineering from being able to build better rapport with potential customers and be able to, uh, basically not be a sleazebag. Um, I'll be more careful. Exactly. Because you need to be cognizant of, Uh, In in social engineering, you need to be cognizant first of what you're going to say. And secondly, what you're going to say, how it's framed, and how it's going to make the other person feel. And based on how it makes them feel, that is going to uh, direct the response. Right. So with salespeople, if they took the time to understand social engineering, as opposed to uh, just doing traditional sales tactics, they could be far more successful. Uh, I'll I'll put it this way. Um, I have a lot of fun uh helping friends buy cars
1: online used or
2: in person to do pretty much whatever uh I'll go around kicking the tires i'll go around I'll complain about the floor mats uh i'll I will like find out the salesperson's name and like be researching them on my phone while we're test driving and stuff like that it's it's a little unfair sometimes uh but hey, it's being, getting a good deal i mean they do the same thing you know uh i, went, I was <laughs> yeah i mean i went and i was uh i was looking for a volkswagen at a dealership once and they tried to put me in a two seater uh bmw z4 uh because i said that i liked bmw's you know they they were asking questions and you know i was kind of playing into it here's what they didn't realize i told them explicitly uh from the get go i was like I am not buying a convertible and I'm not buying a car with a glass roof. Um, And I told them Key on the phone, <laughs> well, I, I told them, I told them in like on the phone, I was like, um, I am currently, uh, under medical care right now. And you have exactly one hour from the time I step foot in the building until the time I walk out of the building. Uh, if you can't make the deal, then so be it. Bye. What I didn't tell them is a week prior, I had been in a car accident and flipped four times and walked away from it. Uh, but I was still, you know, I was still under medical care. I was able to drive and go back to work and all of that. But you know, I was my doctor was still supervising to make sure that nothing else happened, that you know, I didn't I went through concussion testing, I had the x-rays, the MRIs, all that. I was perfectly fine, but my doctor was still evaluating just to make sure that there was nothing that was missed. Uh, So as a byproduct, that's why I did not want a convertible or a glass-topped car.
1: (laughs) A suicide machine.
2: (laughs) More or less. So, I'm trying to look at a Volkswagen. I think it was a CC. I don't know. And they keep pushing me over towards this Z4 convertible. Mm -hmm. It wasn't a hard top. It was the soft top. And I let them go ahead and do it. I was like, here's enough rope. Let's see what you do with it. <laughs> and they're like, you know, you seem like a kind of successful guy. I was like, yeah, I mean, I make a comfortable living. I have a good job. I enjoy my career. I have a master's degree, blah, blah. Um, They're like, you know, successful men your age, uh, they're they're all about driving uh, the, the roadsters. I was like, really? Oh, yeah. We can cut you a good deal on this. That car is $15,000 more than what I'm looking to spend for one. <laughs> but okay, keep keep talking. Let, let's, see if, let's see if your mouth's going to write some checks. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's see what kind of checks your mouth's about to write. So they just keep going with it. And I'm like, uh, by the way, you've just wasted 20 minutes trying to sell me on a car I told you I wasn't going to buy. Uh, I've got about 30 minutes before I walk out of here. So unless you want to get the deal made on this car, I'm walking. Mind you, this was not a Volkswagen dealership or a BMW dealership. It was was a a generic one. It was a Ford dealership. A Ford.
1: Okay. So it
2: it was a it was a used car.
1: They both were used.
2: Um. So we go in. They write up the stuff, and they're like, "This is a legal binding document. If you sign this offer paper right here, you have to buy the car." I'm like, "Yeah, no, I'm not a lawyer, but I know that's not the truth." So I was, I look at it, and I was like all I see is a number on this. I want this itemized. They're like, well, we don't itemize thing. And I told them, I was like, well, if you want to make this deal, you're going to itemize it. Um, and uh, they, uh, they were like, mm, no. So basically they ended up itemizing. <laughs> I'm muting for a moment because Alexa's is talking yeah. in the background. <laughs>
1: So, you effectively have a sniffing device. I hope. <laughs>
2: I I do. Uh, I I use it for uh, automating my lights and stuff uh, because I've actually got my professional soft lights on right now, as opposed to my overhead lights. Um, and because I maintain my personal calendar, the Ascension calendar, and my day job calendar, basically everything on there, I put on all three calendars. So all three calendars are synced. So they they remind me when I get stuck in things. Uh, so yeah. Uh, but anyway. Uh, they finally come out, and they show me this, and there's a warranty on it. I'm like, I didn't ask for a warranty. They're like, well, you have to have it. Why do I have to have a warranty? They're like, this is a certified pre-owned warranty, and in the state of Georgia, you have to buy the certified pre-owned warranty. I was like, can you tell me which law states that I have to do this? They're like, it's not published. <laughs> That's not how <laughs> laws work. Uh, and I was like, the
1: law of <laughs> Georgia right. says.
2: Right. I was like, if it's a legitimate law, because I never bought a car in Georgia before. I was like, if this is a legitimate law, sure. Okay. And the second they said it wasn't published, I was like, yeah, that's that's total crap. And they're like, but this is certified pre-owned. I'm like, you are a Ford dealership, you cannot certify a Volkswagen. So that's garbage. So I literally just got up and walked out right on the spot, saving myself about 10 minutes of my uh defined hour. So as a uh, as a byproduct, that's probably like a social engineering fail. Um,
1: For but, them, yeah. They try to sling you in, in a car that you didn't want, traditional dealership, but additional stuff that you didn't want. Right, that's, and trying to more
2: And And if we look at this, right, from using Dr. Cialdini's six principles of persuasion, right, uh, whenever they said that it's a law, basically, what they were trying to say was they were trying to use the authority principle of persuasion. Uh, whenever they were saying, hey, uh, here's this car that successful men your age drive, that's social proof, also known as the consensus. Um, they, I didn't give them time to attempt like commitment consistency or reciprocity. Uh, urgency scarcity is another one. I've had a dealership once tell me uh, you know, there was a guy that was just in here looking at this car. Uh he went down the street to the bank to get financing. Uh if you can get financed before him, it's yours.
1: Yeah, the here's, pressure
2: of Well, here's the problem with that logic, with that particular dealership. It was a Sunday and banks are closed in the US
1: on Sundays. <laughs> oh, it's a limited edition. There is only this <clears throat> there is only this one. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, exactly. So
2: you know, with salespeople, you get to see the good and the bad in social engineering. There are some that like legitimately take the time to listen and legitimately want to see your success. And then there are the others. I'm sure you've seen this as well. You're hanging out outside of a conference in the smoking area and you see a few sales bros standing around talking about all the logos they got. And they're the ones that want to talk more than they listen and uh for for that logic, you know, I'll actually cite Jim Nitterauer on that, and uh you know he once told me you have twice as many ears as you do mouths, use them proportionately. It's like, yeah, just listen, yeah, I was like, man, that's profound mm-hmm. and and honestly as quote. much as as much as I've talked throughout this episode, uh actually that's one of those things that I'm trying to work on more myself i'm I'm
1: trying to work on saying more by saying less. I love that quote. I love that quote because I'm Italian, I talk a lot, so I tend to just inundate things. But uh, during presentation, I think it was the first thing that uh, uh, I was a Cisco trainer at the very beginning of my career. And they put you through train the trainer and they teach you exactly how many PowerPoint points you can use and how to vehicle it and how to synthesize. And I think that's that's it. So And I have a quote on my fridge saying, uh, be a better listener. So listen more, talk less, and also that was the reason for starting the podcast: to actually speak less and let the other pe- let the other person have the stage. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and you know, um, you've taken my training. I
2: prompt for questions quite frequently, just because I don't want to completely hijack every bit of the conversation with me just talking, uh, because I've got it. I've got time set up for people to ask questions, and then during that time. You know, I don't want to be doing this number in front of everybody. So a lot of times when I say, hey, are there any questions? I will immediately mute my microphone and then do that. Because, I mean, talking for four to six hours uh, or even
1: eight, uh, it can be a little stressful on your vocals. So yeah, yeah. have you have you done? I <clears throat> I've done three recording and and a, and a and a couple of webinar and a couple of conferences, today. So my code are, are bad. Have you done also? Uh, I was talking to Chris and Ronald from the Hacker Valley Studio podcast, and they are actually doing a training right now on the vocal cords, like singer, to actually not stress out uh, mm. your vocal cords. Because right now we're talking with a lot of vocal cords. You could talk a little bit more with diaphragm and stressing a little bit less out.
2: Yeah. I think and, we- and I got used, like, so when I'm in an office scenario, uh, I tend to uh, go with the vocal cords. But like when I'm on stage, I tend to go from the diaphragm, just from, uh, that's something I picked up from my time in the Navy. Uh, like whenever we would be marching or whatever, you're not supposed to yell with your throat. You're supposed to use your diaphragm to be loud about things, uh, and then doing it that way. So I, I do that a lot whenever I present, uh, solely on the premise of number one, when I present, I like to pace. Um, uh, and with that being said, I, I do typically have a microphone the whole time, but I also like to project my voice, uh, as yeah. well, you know, kind of like if you go to see Tony Bennett in concert, he typically gets out from behind the microphone and does fly me to the moon uh, without the microphone just to show his vocal range and acoustic capabilities. So something very similar to that.
1: I actually need to to be on one of your talk. We actually clashed on a couple of things at DEF CON. I didn't have the chance to listen to one. So please, um, well- I've got a whole whenever. list
2: of uh, speaking engagements that I can share with you. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> I, I've got yeah. a dry erase board. That about twenty percent of the dry erase board is nothing but uh, lists of uh, my upcoming speaking and training engagements.
1: Yes, please, so I can put everything in 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 the comment of the podcast so that everybody Absolutely. knows like, where you're gonna be and, and also if, where,
2: if, if yeah, the where they're gonna is, find exactly if the world is safe enough for travel. Uh, I'm going to be speaking at Sector in Toronto and doing a book signing in late October. Um, But uh, beyond that, Hacker Halted uh, will be going on virtually at the same time. Uh, And I'll share with you a coupon code uh, for people to get into that as well. So um, variety of stuff.
1: Hopefully, thank you. And hopefully uh, October is gonna go back to the norm, but I know Canada is is being very, very conservative about uh, COVID stuff. Yeah, and
2: where I I live in the States, um, there are probably four states being more aggressive about opening than mine, and that's about it. So uh, I've actually became more uh, cautious and conservative as of late than I was before.
1: Yeah, I was actually stuck in the U.S. for two months, and I managed to travel back, and I saw actually the effect of traveling and that this whole thing is going to be... Changing the world forever for a little while at least, but yeah. it give us also opportunity to open up the talk to as many people as possible and to learn this stuff. You started doing that before that, but yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. but we reach almost the hour, so it's been a pleasure to to talk to you, Joe. It's it, I can't Likewise. get never enough of you. <laughs> but leave us leave us with a positive message since we talked down on COVID. Leave us with a positive message on on OSINT or uh, on cybersecurity in general.
2: Uh, general security, uh, positive advice is uh, stay away from gatekeeping and gatekeepers. Uh, there's a thread going on on LinkedIn right now. Uh, someone saying you cannot be successful in security if you don't know how to code and security is not an entry level job. Uh, I completely disagree with the success in security from the lack of coding. I will say that there are some jobs in security that are not entry level but there are some that are entry level. And of course, any experience that you have with a variety of things such as hardware, networking, software, desktop, help desk, anything like that, uh, any adjacent experience or even soft skills that you have with an industry can be applicable. Um, positive advice for OSINT. Um, one of my coworkers uh, in a call today said, uh, you never run out of uh, searches and you never run out of targets. Uh, The only thing you do run out of is time. So um, honestly, uh, the biggest thing I can tell anyone, regardless of what part of security you're trying to get into is um, be passionate, work hard, be driven, because those are the things that, regardless of where you go to get training, you're not going to, like, I can't train you to be passionate. I can't train you to have a solid work ethic. I can train you on how to do OSINT all day, every day, but if you lack the passion, and the drive,
1: uh, you, you know, you're you're going to be marginal. Um, so search your why, search your why, not the how. You can learn the how, but you can't learn the why. Exactly. So, you know, just be passionate about it and put your heart into it.
2: Uh, and this industry, you will get exactly, uh, you will get out of it exactly what you put into it. Um, I put a lot more into it than I should at times. But um, after 10 but years of the industry, community exactly and you know i had people when i first started out in industry that took a vested interest in making sure that i was successful and on the right path i try to pay that forward uh because you know at the end of the day um i put a little bit too much in sometimes but at the same time this industry has been very good to me um even after 10 years
1: and karma is a thing (laughs) there's that too
2: yeah
1: so what what you what you give back you're going to receive back from the universe that's what i think so that's why I do a lot of community-driven things, and that's what we do the podcast. And again, thank you so much for everything that you do and the story that you share has been amazing, and I can't get enough of it. So probably I'm going to ask you at some stage to come back, and hopefully I'm going to see you in London at some stage or in the UK when all these things goes away.
2: Absolutely. Um, yeah, I, <laughs> I'm so gross. bummed by this. I, I, had, I was supposed to do three speaking engagements in Europe in May, and... I had to cancel my travel to Prague, Kiev, and uh, Gdynia. So I'm totally bummed about that.
1: Yeah. But I hey, sa- get over it.
2: Yeah. Better safe than sorry.
1: Yeah. And also, it's going to help you focus. So I'll, I'll, I'll oh, take yeah. that as an opportunity. My my lack yeah. of travel has uh, seen me become very, very, very productive. Amazing. So there is a positive side in anything. So. Thank you very much, Joe, and thank everybody for tuning in. Sorry we've gone a little bit over time, but this conversation was too amazing to stop at any stage. (laughs) My bad, but hey, (laughs) thank you, Joe. Thanks for uh, having me. Have a great one, and stay safe, and see you online soon, hopefully. (laughs) See ya.
0: We hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you did, consider leaving us a review or sponsoring us on Patreon. It helps us bring on amazing guests and keep the podcast alive and free. Consider supporting us at www.patreon.com forward slash CSCP and watch other episodes at www.cybercloudpodcast.com.